Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Movies are made for many, many reasons. Usually for money. Sometimes for the sheer love of the art. And every now and again because the people involved want to deliver a swift cinematic response to the critics. I'm Gareth from WhatCulture.com and here are 10 movies only made in response to film critics. Number 10, Jon Favreau vented his Iron Man 2 frustrations. Chef. After releasing three blockbuster films between 2008 and 2011, which were the two Iron Man films and Cowboys and Aliens, director Jon Favreau decided to take a break from big budget filmmaking to work on a smaller, more personal project. The result was Chef, an $11 million dramedy in which Favreau plays a chef who, after a public altercation with a food critic, loses his job at a popular restaurant and decides to run his own food truck. The film's narrative and themes are very clearly inspired by Favreau's own experiences working in Hollywood, particularly during production of 2010's Iron Man 2. Though the superhero sequel was broadly praised by critics, it was almost universally accepted to be inferior to the 2008 original, with some commentators suggesting that Favreau had basically lost his voice amid the demands of a growing tentpole universe. And so it doesn't take a genius to figure out that Chef is basically film as therapy for the director. He gets to cathartically vent about Iron Man 2 in a thinly veiled allegory set in the restaurant industry. Fittingly, Chef received rave reviews, and Favreau's career only skyrocketed in the years that followed. Number 9, M. Night Shyamalan made critics the literal villain, the lady in the water. M. Night Shyamalan has made it abundantly clear over the years that he's incredibly sensitive to critical opinion, but Shyamalan's fraught relationship with critics was literalized on screen in his 2006 film Lady in the Water which served as the follow-up to one of the more divisive films in his filmography, The Village. The Village marked the point at which critics began to turn on the filmmaker, feeling that he over-relied on absurd plot twists to bolster his movies. A clearly hurt Shyamalan responded by incorporating this into the plot of Lady in the Water, with the film's human antagonist being caustic film critic Harry Farber, who continually pokes holes in the film's own logic as though Shyamalan wants to get there before the actual critics do. It was a bit weird. 
dead. Unsurprisingly, the snooty Faber dies by the end of the film, but the true nuttiness lies in Shyamalan casting himself in a major role as Vic Ran, an author whose ideas are powerful enough to change the world, and who ends up martyring himself in order for his ideas to be heard. It all backfired spectacularly then, when Lady in the Water tanked with audiences as well as critics, with many noting the egocentric nature of Shyamalan's story. Number 8. Barry Levinson made a Jewish drama after downplaying Judaism. Liberty Heights Barry Levinson's 1999 coming-of-age dramedy Liberty Heights is a semi-autobiographical account of Levinson's own early life growing up in Baltimore, Maryland in the 1950s. Now, the film was acclaimed by critics. It came about following the response to Levinson's sci-fi thriller released just the year prior, Sphere. The film was a critical and commercial failure, though one review in particular really got the director's goat, enough that it inspired him to write and direct Liberty Heights. Entertainment Weekly critic Leisha Schwarzbaum's review of Sphere implied that Levinson had intentionally downplayed the Jewishness of Dustin Hoffman's psychologist, Dr. Norman Goodman. This bothered Levinson, himself Jewish, enough that it gave him the creative spark to make the outwardly Jewish Liberty Heights. In his own words, I never had any plans to write Liberty Heights. It wasn't even a notion until I read a review for Sphere, of all things. For days, it troubled me. And thus, we got Liberty Heights. Number 7. Kevin Smith made an apolitical thriller. Tusk. Kevin Smith's 2014 horror film Tusk emerged during a majorly unexpected transitional period for the Clerks filmmaker. He, between 2008 and 2010, had directed a major studio comedy in Zack and Miri Make a Porno, big buddy cop film he didn't write in Cop Out, and a politically themed thriller in Red State. Tusk was once again another left-field movie, a deeply disturbing horror film in which a man by the name of Wallace is kidnapped and sewn into a walrus costume by a deranged seaman. Not that kind of seaman. Though the seeds of Tusk stem directly from a 2013 episode of Smith's podcast, where he and his producer pal Scott Mosier first unearthed the idea, Smith also later stated it was heavily influenced by the response to Red State. Among the thriller's mixed reviews, many took issue with the film's preachy political diatribes, that despite taking aim at worthy targets such as religious fundamentalism and the far right, these wordy detours ultimately detracted from the entertainment. And so, Smith designed Tusk from the outset as an effectively apolitical film focused purely on delivering schlocky thrills. And that he definitely did. Number 6. Jamie Kennedy made a documentary about film critics. Heckler. Heckler is a 2007 documentary conceived by and starring Jamie Kennedy, concerned with the phenomenon of heckling in stand-up comedy, which Kennedy eventually likens to modern film criticism. In particular, Heckler came about after Kennedy received critical disdain for his Razzie-winning 2005 blockbuster Son of the Mask, a sequel to the 1994 Jim Carrey-starring classic The Mask. The documentary is basically Kennedy's feature-length attempt to thumb his nose at online film criticism. Surmising that most of them are failed artists who aren't any better than a drunken comedy club heckler. Though far from a persuasive thesis, this film is still an interesting portrait of a frustrated artist criticizing his critics. Though bitterness seeps from every pore of the movie, Heckler did nevertheless receive solid reviews, providing further proof that pain can often be channeled into compelling art. Process I have learned myself the hard way. Number 5. Ridley Scott changed the entire movie after the Prometheus backlash. 
Alien Covenant While a follow-up to Ridley Scott's Alien prequel, Prometheus was always on the cards. The form it ended up taking was a far leap from the project as originally planned. Initially, the Prometheus sequel was going to be called Paradise, and later Alien Paradise Lost. With early drafts focusing on the prior film's sole human survivor, Elizabeth Shaw, as she ventured to the engineer homeworld with android David. But that all changed when Prometheus came out. Though the film was broadly well received, many critics and fans alike expressed disappointment with how tangentially it slotted into the mythology of Alien, and the vague, confusing nature of its internal logic, particularly how the proto-xenomorph was created. And so the reception prompted Scott to change tack, reimagining his direct sequel to Prometheus as something quite different. In the end, the storyline involving Shaw and the engineers was dropped almost entirely, focusing instead on David and a new crew, while also giving far more screen time to the Xenomorphs. Covenant's reviews were ultimately mixed positive, some frustrated by Scott deciding to course correct following Prometheus, ultimately in a direction many deemed less compelling. Between this and Covenant's commercial disappointment, planned third film was put on ice, and so the recently Scott-confirmed third prequel will likely once again depart in yet another direction. Good up, folks. Number 4. Wes Craven wanted to prove he was more than a horror director. Music of the Heart 1999's Music of the Heart is a major outlier in late great director Wes Craven's career. It's the only non-horror thriller film in his entire filmography, and also his only film to score any Oscar nominations for Best Actress Meryl Streep and Best Original Song. The film casts Streep as Roberta Gaspari, a music teacher who fights for music education funding in New York City's public school system. Though the film is often forgotten among Craven's more iconic genre joints, such as A Nightmare on Elm Street and Scream, it is in fact a film Craven fought to make for many years, to battle the belief among some critics that he was a one-trick pony filmmaker. After the success of Scream, Craven was finally in a position to branch out, shooting the film in between the second and third Scream movies before returning to genre business as usual. Though hardly held up as a gemstone of either Craven or Streep's careers, Music of the Heart was praised as an affecting drama with a strong Streep performance, which is not too shabby at all. Number 3. James Franco Brought the Room's Strange Story to Life The Disaster Artist Unlike every other film on this list, The Disaster Artist wasn't made because of the critical reception to a prior film the filmmaker-slash-star was themselves involved with. Instead, the frankly hilarious critical response to Tommy Wiseau's 2003 schlock drama The Room, which quickly snowballed from bafflement to a perverse brand of support, solidified the film as an all-timer so bad it's good cult classic. The film's reception, combined with its fast-growing status as a pop culture milestone, inspired Seth Rogen's production company Point Grey Pictures to acquire the rights to actor Greg Sestero's 2013 book The Disaster Artist which soon enough fell into the lap of Rogan's good pal Franco. Needless to say, had the room simply come and gone, as so many terrible movies do, then the disaster artist never would have come to pass. But thanks to critics and fans who continually ballyhooed the film as a twisted disaster piece, he delivered his affectionate tribute to its euphoric highs and many, 
many loves. Number two, Sam Levinson made a drama about directors and film critics, Malcolm and Marie. Recently released Netflix drama Malcolm and Marie stars John David Washington and Zendaya as a filmmaker and his girlfriend whose relationship implodes after coming home from the premiere of his latest movie. It doesn't take long to catch wind that writer-director Sam Levinson, yes, son of Barry mentioned prior in our list, has created the film as something of a repose to critics who didn't care for his previous effort, Assassination Nation. The film features a number of diatribes in which Washington's Malcolm tears down elitist critics who like to flex their education in their reviews, surmising that cinema doesn't need to have a message. It needs to have a heart and electricity. While the film is decidedly more self-aware than some critics are prepared to admit, it is also evidently an angry screed against all the flack Levinson caught for his controversial prior film. Though Assassination Nation did score broad critical approval, some found its social critique heavy-handed if not exploitative, and Markham and Marie is a rather transparent transparent attempt by Levinson to effectively tear down those takes. Fittingly, this film itself has received wildly mixed reviews from critics, some calling out Levinson for filtering his opinion through the distinctly different perspective of a black filmmaker, while many nevertheless rightly praise the impressive performances of Washington and Zendaya. They were phenomenal. Number 1. Uwe Ball beat up film critics in a documentary, Raging Ball. And finally, we have surely one of the best titled documentary films of all time. Raging Ball chronicles the efforts of infamous filmmaker Yue Ball to get back at the critics of his many terrible movies, most of them video game adaptations including House of the Dead, Alone in the Dark, and Blood Rain. In 2006, Ball challenged five of his harshest critics to a 10-round boxing match each, the event dubbed Raging Ball, as is captured in all its ludicrous glory in Dan Lee West's 2010 documentary. Documentary. Ball, who was an amateur boxer in his younger days, swiftly defeated all five opponents. While the film as a whole is basically a vehicle for Ball to get his own back on his many naysayers. Unsurprisingly, audiences are likely to come out of this movie a little bit divided, either admiring his passion for filmmaking or deriding his colossal ego, if not perhaps both. Either way, it's certainly the most imaginative way that a filmmaker has dared to avenge their critically mauled output. Nothing says F you like a fist to the face, after all. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bolandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.